Hello, nephew community, and welcome to the January edition of Hot Topics in Nephrology. If you've been following the podcast and are thinking, that voice sounds different, uh, you are correct. I'm Jeff Lockwood with the Nephew Medical Team, and I'm stepping in here for the first time, but don't worry. We are still lucky enough to have Mark Newman with us, who is an editor and writer specializing in the field of nephrology and has been doing so for many, many years. Mark keeps us up to date on the latest hot topics in nephrology. Uh, so today, we are going to start the new year by looking at the latest news in kidney transplantation and a recent decision by the United Network for Organ Sharing that should open the door for more transplants for African-Americans. Uh, Mark, welcome, and uh, please give us the details. Sounds good. Thanks, Jeff. Well, transplantation has come under some scrutiny over the past year. There have been concerns about the level of performance by some organ procurement organizations in delivering enough organs for donation. And new regulations have been set up that issue penalties if certain goals are not met. There have been also been some concerns about how the United Network for Organ Sharing, which contracts with the U.S. government to manage these OPOs, has been managing the transplant procurement system with complaints from some transplant centers and physicians that UNIS's computer system is antiquated, resulting in organs for transplantation that had to be discarded. Much of this discussion has taken place in the halls of Congress, where a series of hearings by the Senate Finance Committee looked at the performance issues and chastised UNOS for not fulfilling the requirements of the contract. Now, UNOS has had this contract for a number of years. There has not been any challenges to it. And so there was some concern that, in essence, by having the same contractor over that long a period of time, that some things may um, not be performed uh, up to standards or may, uh, in fact, it might be time for a new contractor to run this system. And again, when we talk about the OPOs, it's called the Organ Procurement and Transplant Network. So in essence, UNOS is responsible for a number of these OPOs, not only uh, in terms of keeping uh, contractual agreements, but also monitoring their performance and performance, of course, means the number of organs that they're able to procure, not only for kidneys, but also for hearts and livers, et cetera. So that is the responsibility of UNOS throughout the year to make sure these, all these OPOs, uh, which are set up you know, uh, geographically around the country, are in essence generating enough organs. And so it's a, it's a major question because as we know, and as you, uh, you've seen this before, is that that demand for a transplant is always there. Yeah, so that sounds like a pretty dismal report card for transplantation, uh, particularly since there are close to 100,000 people on the wait list for an organ. Right, exactly. And that list has not diminished significantly uh, over the years. In essence, uh, you know, we, we're focused on kidneys per se. And as we know, when, a, when an individual um, goes on dialysis or even before they go on dialysis, there is the hope that um, we could uh, get a transplant done because the transplant is considered the preferred um, treatment choice for patients who have uh, kidney failure. So the hope is that you can do a, what they call a preemptive transplant, which means before a patient gets assigned to dialysis, we can perform that transplant and get that new kidney uh, before they start. Um, uh, and that's always the, that's the ultimate, that's the optimal scenario, and that usually involves living donors, which we'll talk about in a little bit. 
Um, if not, then hopefully the patient, when they start dialysis, can automatically or, or soon thereafter uh, get evaluated for a transplant and then placed on the waiting list. So that's a process where you have a lot of people who are going on this waiting list, but it's it's subjected to obviously the um, the supply, and the supply is always an issue because there's never enough organs. Uh, to go around. So it's that kind of that conundrum that you have between supply and demand. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, these issues have been particularly of concern to the government because the government contracts with UNOS to run these OPOs. And the fact that you have some OPOs that do very well and others that don't uh, is a concern. And uh, so that's why it's important to understand that um, this, this data is kind of interesting. And as I mentioned, this is this is the second year in a row that UNOS has reported that the number of transplants have gone up. Specifically, you know, as we as we discussed, despite the those operational issues, UNOS reported earlier this month for the second year, as I mentioned, that a record number of transplants has been performed. Specifically, 42,887 transplants were performed in 2002, and that is a new record, as we mentioned. That includes more than 25,000 kidney transplants for the first time in a single year, uh, according to UNOS. And yeah, you know, that is a positive and quite impressive to have two consecutive years of growth in the number of transplants performed. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, overall, there has been this 3.7% increase in transplants since 2021. So. Um, and that reflects those two years. So cumulative, that's a 3.7% increase and a 3.4% increase specifically in kidney transplants. Um, records are also set for, have also been set for liver, heart, and lung transplants. So in essence, all the, the, these are all positives that we're seeing more transplants done. And of course, this also involves not just first transplants, but a repeat transplant. So if an individual um, had a transplant and the, and the kidney failed, they would go back in for a second. So that includes all of those um, transplants being performed. Right, that's, that's what we like to see. We like to see more transplants happening, um, especially when they're ticking up uh, over time. Now, what about living related versus deceased donors? Right, so the, the number of living-related donors has gone down repeatedly over the last several years. It's, I think it's it's been uh, you know documented that this particular group, uh, this particular segment of donation uh, needs some attention. Um, it's difficult, of course, for anybody to um, uh, what's the right word uh, convince or encourage somebody to donate it to donate a, um, an organ or a kidney particularly uh, to another, another individual. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, the optimal um, is of course the living related donor. So donation from a sister or a husband or, or a wife or somebody within the family uh, because those kidneys are, are the best match. Um, so the number of, of living donors has been going down. I think it's an area of interest and concern for the community. But the good news in the past year was that um, in 2022, there was an increase of 7.5% in deceased donors. So that helped make up for that loss in terms of living related. 
Yeah, it would be interesting to to see what it would take to encourage more potential donors uh, to provide those living donor kidneys. Um, but what are some other factors that might be influencing the drive for more transplants? Right. So there have been some concern that African-American patients in particular have not been placed on the waiting list uh, for a transplant because of their GFR, uh, which is linked to their, which is had traditionally have been linked to race. And the idea that we that this has also modified their ability to get on that um, wait list time. So in the past, when a GFR was measured um, for uh, uh, whites or for black people, it's been modified by the fact that um, there's a race coefficient. And it's been discovered that this is a negative for um, black individuals particularly. And it has also impacted their ability um, to get evaluated and placed on the waiting list. So uh, last week, in fact, this past on uh, January 5th, um, the Organ Procurement and Transplant Network passed a policy to provide black patients impacted by the EGFR race coefficient with the opportunity to modify their wait time for transplantation. Um, and they, as I mentioned, this occurred this past week, it just became effective, and it gives those individuals who are on the waiting list, now that this coefficient has been removed, to in fact modify their position. And that seems like it's been a long time coming. And now correct me if I'm wrong, but this is part of a bigger picture on limiting the race coefficient when we're calculating the EGFR. Right, so for UNOS, this change follows the OPTN policy in June of 2022 to require transplant hospitals to use the EGFR equation without the race coefficient. And again, this follows not only with transplant, but also when we talk about CKD and you know, various points, um, depending on what stage you are on with kidney disease, uh, every time your EGFR gets measured, that, you know, that's impacted by um, your kidney function. So in essence, what the transplant committee is doing is, is a follow-up to what the um, ESRD CKD community has um, also done. So, so prior to the removal of that race coefficient, you know, many Blacks experience a disadvantaged wait time, as we mentioned earlier, for kidney transplants, and increase the risk for disease, disease severity. So this change will backdate the wait times of these kidney transplant candidates. Uh, here's a quote from Silas Norman, who's the chair-elect of the Board of Trustees um, uh, for the American Kidney Fund. And he's also co-medical director of kidney and pancreas transplant at the University of Michigan. Uh, and he said in this quote, beyond the policy, the most important thing is that we get patients with chronic kidney disease into nephrology care sooner and that patients are referred for kidney transplant evaluation in a timely manner. Currently, most of the patients we see are already on dialysis. Ideally, those patients have to be referred to a transplant center three to five years before needing dialysis. This is the best way to transplant people before they need dialysis. So in essence, it puts everybody on a level playing field now, removes that race coefficient so that when you are measuring that uh, GFR, it doesn't matter whether you're black or Asian or white or any other uh, uh, ethnic group, you're all being evaluated in the same way. And this move by UNOS gives those folks a chance to sort of you know, with that update in mind, be able to change their position on the waiting list. And that, that, that's, a, I think, 
as I mentioned, I think that's a great way to level the playing field and give everybody the same opportunity um, for a transplant. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Mark. It's all about putting everyone on that you know, level playing field, giving them equal access to care and transplantation, which is that's the way it should be anyway. Um, but I think that is going to wrap it, us, wrap it up for us today. Um, Mark, thank you so much for joining us and sharing uh, all this information. Uh, that's what's going on in the world of transplant. It certainly is uh, good to see and good to hear. And of course, a big thank you to the Nephew community for joining us and listening in. I hope you all enjoyed the conversation and learned as much as I did. Uh, be sure to join us next month where we'll be back so Mark can keep us up to date on the latest in hot topics in nephrology. Thank you.